the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. It's eight minutes after it's 10 o'clock. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it is a Tuesday, the 25th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. And it is a strange year indeed, one in which people like Bernie Sanders actually get to shout things like this. Basically, this is what we're going to be saying. We're going to be saying that it is a little bit crazy for people to do what they have to do, which is to get a quality education and then find themselves in the absurd position of having to pay that debt off for decades. (laughs) We are in the absurd position of watching people borrow money and then have to, I don't know, in a crazy world, pay it back. What a horrific idea that is. Today we are, in fact, offering a revolutionary proposal, a proposal that will transform and improve our country in many, many ways. Let's find out if Peter Kirsten now thinks this, that uh, Bernie Sanders' debt forgiveness program or proposal will be uh, an improvement to the country in many, many ways. Peter Kirsten now, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, Cleveland attorney, best-selling author, nationally renowned speaker, fill-in talk show host, host of the Kirsten Now Report on AM 1420, The Answer, joining us once again. Hi, Pete. How are you, my man? Doing great, 74 days to the Browns' first game, 82 until the Monday night game. And you know what? Uh, the Indians are starting to find a little bit of offense. You know, um, I'm not necessarily going to make reservations for World Series, but uh, at least they're making, you know, look, right now they're in the wild card hunt. And uh, only, I think, seven and a half games back, so kind of fun to watch. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, you know, they shouldn't be sellers at the deadline just yet. Anyway, of course, there's a month until the deadline, of course. But but uh, uh, but yeah, they are they are showing some signs of life. It'll be interesting to see how uh, uh, Mr. Dolan, the owner. Ooh, can I say that word? 
you, you, you do know the NBA story, right? <laughs> I know this is baseball, but I figured I'd use that as a transition to get your opinion on this. For those who don't know, the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, has uh, decided that the NBA will no longer use the term owner to describe the person who holds the majority shares of a basketball team because it is insensitive to the black players to have to refer to an owner. Uh, Pete, this is political correctness gone off all rails. I can't believe this is what they're doing, but they are. Yeah, we're living in crazy times, Bob. Um, this uh, whole issue, you know, I don't know if you saw this. Someone, and I have to refer back to it on the on the interwebs, so to speak, but somebody did an analysis that I found to be really interesting. Uh, I've been saying for a long time that whenever you hear certain terms, you should immediately, upon hearing that term, tune out anything else that the person has to say. Uh, things such as white supremacy, um, you know, woke, social justice, all those kinds of things. Because, you know, after you hear that term, nothing but complete lunacy is going to follow that. But someone did an analysis to show where some of these terms or the frequency of use of some of those terms. And it was incredible how there was a spike right around 2010, 2011, where all of these terms, these social justice terms, started to be just ubiquitous throughout media. Uh, And prior to that time, you know, there might be three or four uh, hits there, here or there. Uh, But there's a real effort now to make America, quote unquote, woke, which is one of the terms. And it's nothing but complete idiocy. And and the Democrats are cannibalizing themselves, trying to outwoke one another. Gender politics is eating them alive. And here we've got Bernie Sanders giving away all kinds of money that isn't his. Um, You know, and that really works all the time. It's been tried, hasn't it, Bob? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Just look at look at world history. Yeah, it's fantastic when that happens. In fact, oh my goodness, Pete, uh, I got to try to organize this a little bit because um, your spot your your point about wokeness and woke points is spot on. Um, and now you're transitioning to what you just said. Every time it's been tried, socialism slash Marxism slash communism, and yet it doesn't stop the Democrats for calling for it. I'm going to go away from Bernie for a second and play this short clip for you, just to let you know how freaking far gone we are. There is a Democrat. I'm sorry. Yeah, a Democrat city council member in Denver, okay? Her name is Candy Sedebaca. It's it's a strange spelling. Um, I want you to listen to this 44 seconds of this Denver city council winner promising to usher in communism by any means necessary, at least at the local level. Listen. I, I don't believe that our current economic system actually works. Um, capitalism by design is extractive, and in order to generate profit in a capitalist system, something has to be exploited. That's land, labor, or resources. And I think that we're in late-phase capitalism, and we know it doesn't work, and we've got to move into something new. And I believe in community ownership of land, labor, resources, and distribution of those resources. And so whatever that morphs into, I think, is what will serve community the best, and I'm excited to usher it in by any means necessary. Pete, you triggered my memory when you said, that's worked everywhere it's been tried, right? Um, You just heard a Democrat member of a local government declare 
that it's capitalism that has failed, not communism, not socialism, and that the solution to the problems that we are facing in this country, and I don't know if she meant just Denver or more more broadly, is to get rid of that late stage or end stages of capitalism and usher in uh, the communism that you correctly pointed out has been so dynamic everywhere it's been tried. Yeah, communism has just been perfect everywhere. I mean, it's really generated considerable wealth and freedom for people. We should do it all over the place because, I, you know, um, all the places it's been tried, and I wish you would list them, you know, we have remarkable outcomes. Bob, this is a, a catastrophic failure of our educational system and our media. What you see, and, you know, if you go into a lot of schools today, uh, what she just said isn't necessarily all that crazy, at least as far as the instruction that students are getting. Students are getting the Howard Zinn version of history, meaning they're not getting history, they're getting propaganda. There can be nothing more obtuse, more wrong, more, frankly, evil than to say that, well, communism by any means necessary. We've heard those terms by any means necessary before, and communism by any means necessary Please, somebody just spend five minutes, that's all you need to do, five minutes going through the legacy of communism on the, there, there are a couple of websites, but the websites deal with the victims of communism. Uh, there have been over 100 million victims of communism, bare minimum, bare minimum 100 million, you know, in Soviet Union, China. Laos, Cambodia. Those are Cambodia. fatalities. Those are fatalities you're talking about. Though when we say victims, there have been 100, 100, exactly right. over 100 million people have been killed by communism. Probably not even probably far more that have been victimized, meaning living in poverty, living in uh, you know without liberty, being thrown in gulags, and and so on and so forth. Yeah, and Bob, you know we have very often a tendency to yawn and not even respond when we hear idiocy such as that which was just expressed by this. Denver. It was a Denver, Bob, Denver Councilwoman. Yes, Denver, correct. Yeah. Yes, um, and hardly any response is levied because many of us, for example, think that, well, that's just so lunatic, nobody's going to buy that. But lots and lots and lots of people are buying it. In fact, in a softer form, we're seeing almost every Democratic presidential aspirant mouth something substantially similar to that. Bernie Sanders comes close to outright adopting it. Yeah. It's, uh, this is frightening. Um, it, we can't merely say, oh, well, this is no big deal. Uh, we are at a tipping point in the country and have been for a while where we've got a significant percentage of the population that actually thinks there's a big you know, money tree in the White House and that it can dispense all manner of goodies and you don't have to work for it. And in fact, the only reason things are being dispensed unequally is because we have a racist, sexist, whatever is system we've got. Yeah. It is, uh, it's, it's very dangerous. It's poisoning the body politic. And, uh, you know, every time we get a chance, every time you hear something like that, if you hear somebody say that in private conversation, you know, and again, you use a sense of conservative decorum in this in, in situations like this, but every time you respond appropriately to push back on this lunacy, it's dangerous. It's not just simply wrong; it's dangerous. Completely agree. I mean, Pete, what she said just to just to <laughs> just to kind of reiterate this. She said, I believe in community ownership of land, labor, resources, and the distribution of those, those resources. This is a woman calling for flat-out communism in Denver. Tell me how that differs from Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, uh, Kamala Harrison, all of those calling for Medicare for all. Uh, 
all of those calling for uh, uh, for uh, uh, reparations, calling for student loan debt, debt to be forgiven, that government is going to tax uh, all of the people more at a, at a higher rate to bring these funds in so they can be distributed to people uh, on, on, a, on an equal basis. Tell me how this communist call from this local Denver c- uh, councilwoman sounds any different from the, as you call them, the uh, the presidential aspirants on the Democrat side. There's really no difference in substance. There's just the superficial difference, the cosmetic difference that the presidential aspirants know that they still can out, you know, just completely abandon any pretense of uh, capitalism or an adherence to capitalism, that that would be the death knell for them on a national basis. So they use euphemisms instead, but you're precisely right, Bob. When you take a look at forgiveness of student loan debt and free health care, free child care, free preschool, free college, or, or tuition forgiveness, um, you know, Medicare for all, universal basic income, when you add all those things together, what we are talking about is state ownership of property and dispensing goodies based on how the state decides the goodies should be dispensed. And... You know, when you do something like that, when you're dependent upon the uh, state to do everything for you, you are essentially no more than a serf, and I'm putting that gently. No, when you say state ownership of properties, that literally means and leads to state ownership of peoples. Yeah, that's that's they control what you do. When you depend on the state for your livelihood, then you're no more than a serf. And I'm putting that gently. A serf is frankly somewhat indistinguishable from a slave. There may not be the use of physical force or violence. But nonetheless, your freedoms are circumscribed, and you can see this. This this is the pattern that the social justice left is taking, where they circumscribe your freedoms. They start with speech, gun rights, so on and so forth. And in return, what they're promising you is, we will take care of all of your needs. It's a Faustian bargain that always ends up with the people suffering significantly. But it's an appealing message. Free stuff. Who doesn't want free stuff? Ever since, you know, we heard about Santa Claus, we think, hey, that's a great thing. But mature people, when you grow up, understand there's no such thing as a free lunch. But Bernie Sanders and the rest of the Democratic presidential aspirants are still trying to sell us on that concept. And um, I had a very, my best friend's father, who died years ago, uh, we used to, you know, he was a, a general contractor. And in the summer times, we often worked for him. And I use him as an example because it was guys like him who had a high school education but were a lot better educated and smarter than 99% of our woke crowd with college degrees and some with post-college degrees. They understood how things worked. And if they had heard phrases like this or from this councilwoman or the EDC being spouted by the Sanders and the, the Harrises and the Buttigieg's, they just roll their eyes and laugh. It couldn't have been sold to those people back then. And that wasn't that long ago, okay? But today we have a whole crowd out here who, because of the left's monopoly on education, media, media. Uh, enter- entertainment, almost every institution, they actually believe there is a free lunch. They are conditioned to think this. They're living in parents' basements thinking that this gravy train is going to go on forever and ever and ever. And, you know, a long time ago, there was a, an elocution that isn't necessarily the best one in the world, but they used to refer to the Republican Party as the Daddy Party and the Democratic Party as the Mommy Party. And every once in a while, uh, somebody needs to say, hey, you know what? No free lunch. 
get up off your butt, do some work, life isn't always fair, deal with it, and make your own life. That's what life is. Life isn't sitting on a couch and expecting Bernie Sanders to deliver pizza to you. This is craziness. Yeah, and but, we but should when, be a but little... When Bernie's, but when Bernie is promising that free pizza, it, it becomes very, very appetizing to those it who does. would like to see it happen. Pete, let me jump in there because it's 1022. We've got to get a timeout. You've done this clock. You did it on Friday. You know what that's all about. That's so, fun, and thanks very much for allowing me the privilege. Oh, Pete, are you kidding me? I, it is an honor to have you in, and I know our guests, our listeners love having you as a guest host. Pete, let me get this timeout, though, so we can come back in. I want to talk more about the actual specific student loan debt forgiveness plan being pushed by the Democrats. I do want to get your thoughts on race uh, on uh, reparations also and i know you did that on friday and then if we have time before you're uh, in your third segment i certainly want to talk about what's going on with the uh, uh the deportations and the border conditions as well peter kirsten i'll right back after this All right, 1027, right back to Peter Kirsten. Now we'll do this for three minutes, and then we'll come back on the other side. Pete has been kind enough to give us a third segment, and we'll talk about some of the other things. But Pete, specific to the student loan forgiveness thing, you know, I played those clips for you at the beginning of our conversation of Bernie saying, you know, people need this. It's essential, this, uh, this uh, 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 you know, education, and then they have to pay for it for the next, you know, 30 years. Guess what? People do that with a home, too. That's essential. Having a roof over your head is essential. If I struggle and can't make my mortgage payments, can I count on big daddy government run by the communists slash socialists like Bernie Sanders to, to cancel my mortgage? Do I get a, do I get a, a mortgage debt forgiveness the way they're doing student loans? Why focus on loans? What, what about I need a car to get to my job and to get here and there and everywhere? If I can't make the payments anymore, do I get auto loan forgiveness? This is the slippery slope here, Pete. Yeah, it is. You know, I saw a great cartoon uh, that kind of encapsulizes it. Uh, it has a, a piece of cheese in a mouse trap, and it says, yeah, the mouse doesn't understand why the cheese is free also, you know. Um, and that's precisely what happens here. You start to depend on government for everything. Next thing you know, you're entrapped by the government, and that's putting it mildly. But the bottom line here is we're allowing, if we if you fall to this logical conclusion, one of the, the basic increases in tuition has to do with the government involvement in now student loans and everything else. The colleges have ratcheted up tuition knowing that the federal government's been been in the college uh, tuition business or the student loan business, and so they're able to ratchet it up. Now, if you make quote-unquote college-free or forgive student loans, guess what's going to happen? You've got this, this circular process whereby colleges will continue to increase tuition knowing that at some point there's going to be a federal bailout it's 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 just sheer madness but you also have to ask yourself when you're dealing with these social justice democrats where's the fairness in all of this many if not most of these people they're going to college many of them are going to be lawyers doctors and indian chiefs and my goodness Who's paying off their loans for them? The guys, very often, who didn't go to college, who instead got themselves real jobs, carpenters, plumbers, and all those folks who are actually contributing to society. And these are the guys who are actually paying for the people who are sitting in their parents' basements' couches pretending to go to college. And I don't mean to be you know, disparaging of all these folks, but this is the kind of lunacy we're talking about here. This is 
fundamentally unfair, but more importantly, one of the reasons why the United States of America is so great is because of rugged individualism. Are we going to ever recapture that again? Rugged individualism, and it's not even rugged. Rugged, it's just individualism means you carry your own weight. You pay for the freight, okay? Not a difficult proposition to do in a country that provides as many opportunities as the United States of America does. But now, Oh, my goodness. America is just this harsh and unfair land. So Bernie Sanders and the rest of the Democrats are going to step in and protect us all from all this stuff and treat us all like infants. It is something that should be insulting to any self-respecting American. And, and what's really frustrating about it, as you pointed out, people didn't, didn't go to college uh, or paying the freight now through their taxes for all these people to pay off their college loans uh, uh, or forgiveness, uh, is the people who do go to college and study nothing you know, right. transnational, transgender folk dancing as a major and then wonder, how come I can't get a job? And, and we have to pay for that? that? Those loans are going to be forgiven? That is just insanity. Let me get our final time out, or our next time out, I should say, here at 1030. Pete, we'll come back, talk reparations and more on AM 1420 The Answer. News, opinion, insight. This is AM 1420. All right, it's our good fortune to have Peter Kirsten now back for one more segment here on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Pete, uh, a lot of ground, and I don't know if I can get it all done in this segment either. I could continue to talk about student loans, but uh, uh, you did reparations on Friday's show when you sat in for me. Obviously, I could not listen to it or else I would have been doing the show. So um, give me a little bit of a thumbnail sketch of your view on this after they held those ridiculous hearings last week declaring that... um, People today who never harmed anyone should have to pay people today who were never harmed by anyone because people who looked like them 150 years ago harmed people who looked like them. I, I think that's the best way that I can sur- summarize that. Pete, what's uh, what's your take? Yeah, and I think you just pretty much articulated why it's a bad idea. Look, there's several reasons why it is from the um, just matter of, of principle we had one of the guests we had on Friday was Roger Clegg from the Center for Equal Opportunity, a longtime friend of mine. We had a discussion uh, about the constitutionality of this. And, you know, when you start to classify, when the government begins to classify people on the basis of race, well, first of all, they can't do it unless they've got a compelling governmental interest and it's got to be done pursuant to uh, strict scrutiny. But when you start classifying people on the basis of race and providing a benefit solely on the basis of race, then you're automatically starting to swerve into unconstitutional territory. There are all kinds of legal problems with respect to that. But, you know, look, most of our woke friends really don't care about uh, the Constitution that much anymore. That's why they're constantly trying to change it. Um, From a logistics standpoint, and that's where I focus on most of the time, because, frankly, when you talk to those who are reparations proponents, they're not that concerned with any kind of legal hurdles or problems, impediments, to doing this. Uh, you just tell them how nutty it would be to try to even implement this. It's just It just simply cannot be done in any cohes- coherent fashion. Which is um, more important, though, Pete, if I may interrupt for just a second, which is more important, that it cannot be done or that it should not be done? 
I think it shouldn't be done. I think that's more important. There's a, a moral reason why it shouldn't be done. Look, if there were any surviving slaves, I would say, sure, do whatever we can to provide reparations. Heck yeah, that the was, time for reparations was, was right after emancipation. Give exactly these people right. whatever they need for crying out loud. Give them you know benefits, pay them back. I mean, God, yes, right after emancipation, but not 150 years later to people who didn't endure it. Sure, and there's no way you can put a price on the suffering of slavery, the moral, um, uh, you know, the depredation of slavery. But nonetheless, here we are, eight generations down the road, 150 years later, and we're talking about branding people again on the basis of race and assigning culpability or benefits on the on the basis of skin color. Just because you happen to share the same skin color as somebody who may have owned slaves 150 years ago, now you are responsible for paying uh, for that. But, you know, how do you do this? First of all, the majority of the bad people here in the United States, that is, if you listen to Democrats and the woke folks, you know, white people, simply by virtue of being white, are the enemy, are, are, are the criminals, are the bad guys. And the vast majority of whites, even at the time of slavery, didn't own slaves. And then the vast majority of whites today, and their descendants, um came after the institution of slavery was abolished, had nothing whatsoever to do with it. On top of that, you had at least 3,000 black families that owned slaves, and their descendants probably now number in the hundreds of thousands. We know that Kamala Harris's own father rebuked her by saying, hey, wait a minute, Kamala, our family owns slaves. I mean, this gets extraordinarily complicated. Now, if you, some of them are saying, well, let's put aside a pot of money that uh, blacks can access because of the fact that they are behind because of the institution of slavery. Well, pots of money are interesting things. They seem to do more damage than good. First of all, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't ascribe to that. But take a look at the trillions of dollars that have been spent ostensibly to improve. Let's be very frank about it. To a large extent, you look at the Great Society and, uh, uh, you know, Johnson even referred to this. Hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars, in fact, uh, with respect to at least one welfare program alone, Head Start, we're talking about $800 billion, we're talking about trillions of dollars. Most of these were designed to, again, be a form of reparations, or, in the true sense of the term, to buy off black votes. Let's be frank about it. That's exactly what Lyndon Johnson articulated. But you take a look at whether or not those programs have ever achieved their ostensible objectives. They didn't. In fact, they caused things to be worse. Head Start's a good example. Hundreds of billions of dollars spent over the decades, and the studies have found that Head Start, kids who go into Head Start, have a very brief period between K through third grade where they're a little bit ahead of their comparatives who don't go into Head Start, but then at the fourth grade level actually fall behind. We continue to fund it. And think about all the other programs that we fund that actually cause more harm than good. And I won't go through the litany of them all, even though if you look at some of my writings on the Civil Rights Commission, I do go through them with cost associated with it. Look, the best reparation is a two-parent family, but the left is pretty much saying that men are irrelevant, fathers are irrelevant. The left and all of their programs contributed mightily to the um, breakup of the black family. At the time that the Great Society began, 80% of black children 
were born to two-parent families. It is now down to, in some places, 25%. When you control for family status alone, virtually every difference between blacks and whites disappears entirely. And again, I won't go through all the data that we've compiled on this, this also. But the fact of the matter is, the very concept, even if you sign on to reparations as being just and the right thing to do, the logistics militate against it. But more importantly, the ultimate outcome clearly shows that the purported beneficiaries are going to come out even further behind. It's a bad, bad, bad idea. It's divisive. It's toxic. It's unconstitutional. It doesn't work. And I'd like to see the great administrator who tries to administer all this stuff. Again, I would like to know, does Barack Obama get this? I, I would also, that's a great point, and I would also like to know where it ends. I mean, what, how many generations is every, after reparations are ordered and the administration of them begins, is every black child born from now until the it, it, the end of, of the United States of America going to be given a, going to be given a, 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 an account, a bank account, a fund, something that, that says, here's your reparations for things that happened now 250 years ago, now 350. How many generations will this cover is what I would like to know, because if you start it now, it's the same thing with the student loans, uh, 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 debt forgiveness, in my opinion, Peter. Um, you know, if they forgive everybody who's got debt right now, I want my reparations check because I paid mine. I paid mine. I worked my tail off to do it. And, and so if they're giving it, if they're saying these people don't have to pay it back in, in the interest of fairness, I get a check for the amount of, of money that I did pay back and the interest that I would have built, uh, that would have accrued over the course of the last 25 years. So that, that's, it's insane to think about that, but that's no more insane than saying we're going to pay the descendants of slaves or not even, you can't even prove descendancy or ancestry. You can just say I'm black. And and so I get free stuff, and uh, if you're white, you got to pay for that free stuff simply because white people did things, uh, you know, generations ago. It never ends. Yeah, you, you'd have to, you'd be hard-pressed to find something more divisive, more destructive. Um, but, you you know, when we think it just can't get more lunatic, you get um, Elizabeth Warren coming out with gay reparations. Again, <laughs> oh, where does yeah. it stop? I mean, you know, where does it stop? You know, we're going to get milkman reparations. Or, you know, what, at what point do we say enough is enough that this is the United States of America, you've got the freedoms to be whoever you want to be, go for it. Uh, but no, uh, they're clearly not going to do that. And the reason they're not going to do that, Bob, and this is the bottom line, and this is why it, it will never happen. The left needs this issue. They've got nothing else. They've got gender and, well, every kind of identity politics. That's all they've got because who's going to listen to or take seriously their lunatic propositions? Green New Deal, Medicare for All, that costs $32 trillion, which is 30 times the gross domestic product. I mean, th- their ideas are today, we used to joke about insane ideas. Today, they are literally insane. So all they can do is divide by race, sex, class, and order to cobble together enough disparate groups to get a majority in the election cycle. And that's what this is all about. This is a cynical attempt. It's not going anywhere. It's another attempt to buy off votes and hope that they can get enough votes to beat Donald Trump in this particular instance or any other conservative uh, candidate. Pete, I want to throw one more thing about this at your prodigious brain and see what you come up with. Um, there's a gentleman who used to be a regular caller to this show. He's a black man. His name, he went by the the, uh, uh, the name United. Uh, and he really does, I think, his best to try to unite black folks and white folks in a number of ways. He has taken, rather than calling me these days, to emailing me. 
And I have some interesting exchanges. He is absolutely 100% for reparations under this pretext. He said that there were never any black slaves. Uh, and I'm, I'm just kind of I'm going to paraphrase a lot of his emails to me, and I'm looking at his most recent one, which was sent the day of the uh, hearings last week of the reparations hearings. His, his pretext is that according to the first law of our land, which is the Declaration of Independence, all men are created equal. And our founding fathers saw all men as equals, not as three-fifths or anything else, that all men are equal. And if all men are equal, to then imprison them, to enslave them, is to enslave, essentially, free, equal men. And false imprisoned people get paid. They do it today. If somebody is thrown in prison for a crime they did not commit and they're falsely imprisoned, governments pay them back. And if they're dead, they pay their families back. So he is essentially saying, slaves don't get paid. But free people who are wrongfully imprisoned do, and therefore reparations are due the descendants of these wrongfully imprisoned free men who were never slaves, but who were, by, by virtue of the, the birth of the country, as um, uh, you know, uh, under the Declaration of Independence, that they are all free and equal people. I have to say, that is ac- actually a much better argument than what we hear articulated by our friends in Congress and, and the presidential Democratic aspirants. At least he's put some thought into that. That is actually a fairly logical argument. It falls apart for a host of reasons we don't have time to get into, but I'm happy to do so the next time we get together. But again, the biggest problem is it suffers from the logistical impediment. There is truly no way, again, once you accept his proposition, which I think he articulated extremely well, you know, you've got some pretty good listeners, Bob, but... Uh, and again, he's a very, very, very smart guy. Too. Yeah, and it he's, sounds he's like a thoughtful guy who's actually trying to bridge divides. Um, it still suffers from the logistical problem. And, and maybe you say, well, okay, we understand that we're going to make some mistakes logistically, but the imperative of making sure everybody is compensated appropriately trumps that. Uh, that's a discussion we can have for another day. But I still think, number one, you've got... Um, a constitutional problem that you've got to overcome, even accepting his premise and framework. And number two, logistically, at this point in 2019, if it were 1880, it may have been something that could have been done, you know, logistically. Now, an impossibility. Without it becoming incredibly divisive, it could really rent asunder the nation. And Coleman Hughes, the young man who testified, I I was supposed to testify, but my day job prevented me from doing it. But it doesn't matter. Coleman Hughes, the young man who had, I think he's still attending Princeton Seminary, very articulate guy. I've seen him, you know, right in the Quillette and other places. He said that you, there's, you should, you do not make me a member of a debtor race. In other words, race in our, in our polity should not be a transactional proposition, is what he said. And once you start doing something like that, what you've done is you've put somebody in a caste against his will. Every black person now will be looked at as a victim, and every white person will look, be looked at as someone who owes. And then what about Asians and, and Native Americans? I mean, there, there's just so many things here that make this an unworkable proposition substantively and logistically. I could not agree more. Those are many of the arguments I've made back to him in our conversations. Uh, you know, the, starting with the fact that maybe back then that was the law, but the Declaration of Independence is not the law of the land. The Constitution is. The U.S. Code is. And therefore, that is now essentially an antiquated, quote-unquote, set of laws that, uh, like you said, in 1880, maybe that would have been the way to go, but not uh, not in uh, 2019. Peter Kirsten, out. thank you, my friend. Thank you for filling in Thank you, Friday. Bob. Thanks for giving the great analysis today, and I'll catch up with you next week. Good thing. Bye-bye.
Peter Kirsten now joining us. It's 1049. Quick final timeout if you want to get in. Somebody just asked me on Twitter and said, Bob, can you say your phone numbers more slowly? I would like to call your show. And uh, yes, I can and will. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. And if that wasn't slow enough, I may just add it to my Twitter bio and my parlor bio and my Facebook bio so that you can always just look to it, look for it right there. We're back after this. Ten fifty-two, final segment of the morning, and my final opportunity to ask you today to step up on behalf of Alliance Defending Freedom. Step up on behalf of Baronel Stutzman. Step up on behalf of Jack Phillips. Step up on behalf of the Lyceum. Step up on behalf of all of the victims of religious discrimination, the victims of the political agendas being advanced by the special interest minority groups, particularly the LGBTQ XYZ exclamation point hashtag question mark groups, all of them that continue to try to force not only their lifestyles, but their beliefs upon you in substitution for yours. You must abandon your religious beliefs if they violate what they believe are anti-discrimination laws based on their lifestyles and choices. This is largely what it's all about. And you never know who's coming for you and when. I promise you the girls who were running track and cross-country in Connecticut didn't know that it was going to, they were going to one day, one day need Alliance Defending Freedom. But suddenly here come boys running on girls' track teams saying they identify as girls, so let me just take all of your records. One boy now owns 10 state records that were held by 10 different girls. And now these girls who were using their sports to try to get college scholarships and opportunities to advance their lives lose their championships, lose their opportunities to go to championship meets where they can be recruited by and seen by college uh, scouts and recruiters. They didn't know that uh, they, they were going to need Alliance Defending Freedom. Guarantee you the floor, flower shop owner the caterer, the DJ, and all the others who are asked to go and participate in same-sex weddings that are in full violation of their uh, religious beliefs and long-held Catholic and Christian doctrine, I guarantee you they didn't know they were going to need this. You never know until you need it. And the question is, is who's going to be there to help? Alliance Defending Freedom provides these free legal services for all of the above. We have to help them. 800-691-8969. I need three people today to donate $100. I need 12 people by the end of this week to donate $100. That's how we will reach our goal to help Alliance Defending Freedom. It's a month-long campaign here in June. We need your assistance. Call 800-691-8969 and donate that $100. It's tax-deductible. It'll do so much good for so many people. Maybe people you know because they don't know when it's coming. You can also donate on our webpage, which is whkradio.com, and click on the Alliance Defending Freedom banner at the top of the page. It'll take you right to the Freedom Fund donation page. You can donate your $100 there. Please, friends, we have to do this together. We're bigger than this. We're better than this. We can make this happen. Gary is calling me from Olmstead Ship on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Gary, go ahead. Hey, Bob, just uh, yes. checking in and want to let you know I'm still alive. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's good news. 
<laughs> the other thing is, did you hear what the uh, conference of bishops did? Uh, be specific. Well, what happened was they just had a meeting and allocated $270,000 for the LGBTYNQ and an abortion organization. I did not see that. I did not yep, see that. What are, what are those funds going to? What are those What are those dollars that they're taking from church collection plates? What are those dollars going to support? What What exactly are they doing? I don't know, but uh, I'd be very upset and glad I left the Catholic Church. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I, I, you, very, what, very yeah, well, you know what? There's a lot of the modern Catholicism that is in uh, full violation of traditional and historic Catholic doctrine that have a lot of people uh, questioning their their belief in the church, their commitment to the church, not to their commitment to Christ uh, or, or Christianity in general, but to the Catholic Church. Um, so, no, uh, I did not see that, but I will look into that to find out where that money is going. I would like to know exactly what it is that they're supporting, um, because I think what, what most of us who are Catholics have always said and always believed is true, and that is according to the Catholic faith, we love everyone. We love all, including sinners. We hate the sin, love the sinner. So I have no problem with expressing support and love for anybody or everybody, but I shouldn't have to financially uh, you know, bankroll through through donations in the church basket. I shouldn't have to bankroll things that aid uh, in what the church considers to be sins. It's a it's a really it's a fair question, and I don't know the answer to it. I don't know what they're doing with that money, but it's something that I would like to uh, look into. I've only got a minute left here, but I got a late call in from Victor, and so I'm going to go ahead and put Victor on the air before we're done. Victor, I got a minute for you, buddy. Go ahead. Speaking of reparations, uh, study what's happened to the black community since slavery, and then check what happens to the new black community that comes from Europe and Africa and see how successful they are. That's very interesting. And it's, and it's, and you know what, Victor, do me a favor, will you please call me back tomorrow earlier in the show so that we can discuss this in more depth because, uh, as I said, I've got less than a minute now. But that is not dissimilar from what Peter Kirsten now talked about. When he talked about how, uh, you know, the, the advantages that certain people are given and certain groups are given and how quickly they become disadvantages, how quickly they become whittled away and, be, and the, the advantages is lost uh, and they end up p- performing more poorly than those who never were given those, uh, those things in the first place. So he talked about how de- uh, reparations can actually be detrimental to modern African Americans, current African Americans, as opposed to those who uh, deserve them uh, right after emancipation. But I thank you for the call. I hope you can call back tomorrow so we can talk about that in more depth. Stay where you are, because I'm done, but Mike Gallagher is about to begin. So Gallagher, Prager, uh, uh, Dr. G, Seculo Elder, stay right here on AM 1420, The Answer. And uh, have yourself a wonderful, blessed day. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.